We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good afternoon, everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Brian Driscoll. And we are going to continue our breakdown of the Notre Dame football schedule for this upcoming fall. And we have broken it up into quarters, right? So last week on Thursday, we did the first quarter, which was the first three games of the season. Uh, Obviously, that is uh, Ohio State, Marshall, and Cal. Today, we are going to talk about... Vince hated all over Marshall the entire time. That's right. Yep. Thunder and Herd, not a favorite. Um, You're just bitter because Kane Madden came from there. Uh, I, I really think that's totally it, too. I can't I really do. You. I really think that that's the problem. <laughs> and it's really sad that that has clouded my vision, but it, I, I, at least I'm big enough of a man to admit it that that's the problem. But um, today we're going to talk about quarter number two, and that is North Carolina, BYU. And Stanford, so a neutral site game, an away game, and a home game, all in one quarter. So this one is very interesting, Brian, especially I I think we can all assume worst case scenario, Notre Dame comes out of the first quarter two and one. Best case scenario would be three and oh. So going into second quarter, it's going to be very interesting going on the road to North Carolina, North Carolina is ranked in the top 25 in most of the, you know, way too early polls and whatnot that I've seen there usually in the 20 to 25 range. I don't know if you've seen anything different, but yeah, I've seen them in a few of them. They've been ranked there. And then BYU's definitely consistently in the top 25 as right. well. So, right. So you've got two ranked teams here and then Stanford, and um, which we never know what Stanford's going to be. It's a very intriguing mm-hmm. second quarter events. It, it yes. really is. It could end I up agree. being kind of soft outside of BYU. Or can end up being the toughest quarter of the of right. the when you take all three teams into consideration. It it could be the third quarter, it could be the fourth, you know, you know, quarter as far as ranking them best or worst, or it could be the best because of the quality of the potential quality of all three teams. So sure, uh, it, it's it's very it's going to be very very intriguing to see how this how this goes through. A lot of question marks about quarter two for me. I mean, because I. I just don't know what the offense is going to be like for North Carolina, 
right? And I, I don't – they've recruited well on the defensive side of the ball at North Carolina, and so maybe they're going to be better defensively now that they got rid of, you know, certain people and, and certain things. My favorite and, guy. Um, (laughs) so maybe they're going to be better defensively. I I don't know, but I just, that's a huge, North Carolina is a huge question mark for me because obviously Sam Howell is going to be tough to replace for them. He was their team offensively. Yeah. So how does that look? You know, what's the defense going to look like? It's just a lot of questions. Well, like when you just look at the entire quarter events, the whole, the whole thing is just, there's so much uncertainty about it, right? Like we, we know what BYU is going to be, right? They're, they're one of the most solid teams on the schedule, meaning you kind of have an idea of who they're going to be. You have an idea of what they bring to the table. You have an idea of the, the toughness and the experience and they return a lot of guys and they're a good football team, right? You got to bring your A game to to, to beat them the way that you should. And outside of, of the way, you know, I was, I was banging Marshall for their schedule and things of that nature, but like, BYU, they they schedule the big boys. They're almost completely like completely opposite argument. They're, Correct. They're 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 almost an honorary member of the Pac-12. Number one, because right. they play a well, bunch of those. And they teams. would have played in the Pac. They would have played in the Pac-12 title game if they. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm looking at it. They now. were five and one against Power Five teams last year. Right, and they were five and zero oh against Pac-12 teams. Right, exactly. Because their only their only loss to a Power Five team was a road loss at number five Baylor. Right. right? I mean, you know, right and. and then they also lost to Boise State, and then they didn't lose again until they lost to UAB in a bowl game. I mean, they were a quality football. I mean, and they weren't just winning games. I mean, some of these games were convincing. They were putting points you know, on was, the board, it, too. Yeah, I mean, it was 9 over Utah. It was 10 over Arizona State. It was – it was they beat Virginia 66-49. to 49. The Washington State game, they only won by two, but it was on the road. Right. And, and so – it was it was quite interesting to kind of see how their season went through. And then Stanford, it's like, you know, Stanford's just such a weird team because, you know, two years ago, it looked like they had turned things around and they fall off again again you know, right. this year. And, you know, that you look at their schedule and it's like, with the exception of a couple games, I mean, most of their games weren't even competitive events. I mean, 24 to 7 to K-State, they lost by 11 to UCLA, 18, 3 to Washington State, 7 to Washington, who was terrible. Then they lost by 45 to Utah, 21 to Oregon State, 30 to Cal, and 31 to Notre Dame. And I mean, they weren't even competitive. But it's like they got some guys coming back. They, yeah. you know, it, it it's such a strange, it's such a strange situation, in my right. opinion that it just you just don't know if they're going to be so that's the that's the intrigue of this quarter number two right like stanford has a lot of guys coming back and they were super banged up late in the year last year i mean they were really banged up a lot of guys coming back so you look at it and say you know what are they going to be and, and that's the thing is like with north carolina i think is a is an underrated team on the schedule this year and then you look at BYU, they're one of the three or four best teams in the schedule. And then Stanford is an unknown. So that's why I say, Vince, there's so much uncertainty, but it really boils down to, as you were kind of leading to, alluding to earlier, is North Carolina. What is North Carolina going to be this year? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out Trade Coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey Trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. And don't forget, it's Father's Day coming up, and a trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. And they're they're a big unknown for me. And and how they are, and it because it, it talk about it's you know, Sam Howe. They gotta replace Sam Howe. Well, they lost three starters in the offensive line. They also lost another thousand yard running back and Ty Chandler. They have a lot coming back on defense when you're like, well, their defense stunk. True. But they did get rid of Jay Bateman. They bring back Gene Chiswick. They hired a guy that was at Indiana last year, had been with Georgia for a couple of years before that. You know, a young coach that's got, you know, got a pretty good reputation and, and uh, you know, kind of see how they are. So it just, they're, they're a very intriguing team when you, when you look at yeah. standards. Yeah, no, a, a, absolutely. North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. And, and that's, and the North Carolina part of it too, being on the road <clears throat> after two, Look, I'll say it, relatively uh, easy wins at home, I I would hope, against Cal and the thundering herd of of Marshall. And so depending on what happens at Ohio State, are you going to be shell-shocked from the Ohio State game? Is it a close loss? Is it a win? Is it a blowout loss? You know, How are you feeling coming out of that game? And then you're not really going to be tested in games two and three against Marshall and Cal. And so if you're not going to be tested in those games, and then all of a sudden now you're going to go on the road to North Carolina – and you're pro- I, I'm you should be tested against North Carolina. They're still, you know, a power five team. They're they're still um, you know, a team that can compete. They have recruited very well. But again, they're replacing their quarterback. But this is game four at that point. So what, you know, he's got he's gonna have some uh some experience under his belt, whoever that happens to be. Um, let me see. 
Last time I checked, it, it, it's going to be a, a competition between Drake May and Jacoby Criswell, um, if, if everything I'm reading about North Carolina is accurate. And, of course, they're going to be replacing a bunch of offensive linemen. So the offense is going to have to really take a step for North Carolina in order for them to be competitive in this game. But being on the road for Notre Dame, you know, their only other road, obviously, a road experience this year uh, up to that point is going to be Ohio State. And so is is this road experience going to be different for Notre Dame? Yes, no question about it. Um, you know, how are they going to handle that? If they didn't handle the road experience at Ohio State very well, how are they going to handle the road experience against North Carolina? Those are all question marks. And defensively, I, I think that North Carolina is going to be better defensively, but there's so many questions that I'm just not sure what yeah. that road experience is going to be like for Notre Dame. Yeah, I think the defense part is is the interesting thing because, you know, yeah, I think I expect them to – they can't get worse, right? Agreed. The, the question is how much better do they get? Are they sure. go from 32 points to 28 points? Well, I think they're they going to be counting on some young talent too, right? Right. Well, I mean, it, it, but there's also a lot of guys ascending. Like Miles Murphy is is now – older you know uh well actually i always get that that there's two there's two murphys from north carolina that came out in the same year and i always <laughs> miles is the one from that's going to that's at clemson and notre dame plays both of them this year and <laughs> yeah. The, my, yeah it's miles okay yeah it's miles murphy from yeah. north carolina so i see it's very very confusing stuff they're both miles murphy <laughs> oh okay. well that's even one more. was a d end one was a d tackle right and they oh, came God, out same class and miles was line. miles from clemson was a five star the other miles is a four star good football player you know he comes back they have uh tony grimes coming back a corner who last year as a sophomore was technically supposed to be a freshman because he reclassified skipped the senior year for 2020 and, and got a chance he's considered one of the top young corners in the country They've got all their linebackers coming back. Yeah. They've got a lot of DB guys coming back from a defense that was terrible. So you got to ask yourself, okay, were they bad because they have they were poorly coached, or were they bad because they don't have talent? Well, as you mentioned, Vince, they have recruited that side of the ball pretty well the last couple of years. Right. So does the talent finally start taking over? And and what you need from the defense is just be competitive, right? You don't got to be the you know Georgia or Alabama or Notre sure. Dame on defense. You just got to don't stink. On yeah, defense. true. And then the other questions on the other side of the ball, Vince, is you're losing not only you lose three stars to the offensive line, but you lost your line coach. Well, then Phil Longo goes out and hires a guy that worked with him in the past at other schools like Ole Miss and some other places, Jack Bicknell Jr. You say, okay, well, they got some guys that didn't start last year that are now that have got some playing time in the offensive line. And, and we could talk about like they got two really good freshmen coming in at running back. So they're going to be good there. Josh Downs is arguably the best receiver in going to face all year. With all due respect to Jordan Addison, he's not better than Josh Downs, in my opinion. I, I mean, he he's probably the third best receiver in is going to face this year, which says a lot about the receivers in their name is going to face say, this year. Trey Flowers is a pretty good receiver at BC, too. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Zay Flowers is a real Zay, good football player. And then you got Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. And obviously, yeah. you've got Josh Downs, Jordan Addison. So it's going to be a very strong schedule full of good receivers. Yeah. But when you look at the when you look at Notre Dame's when you look at Notre Dame's sort of the matchup, it really comes down to like the offensive line. I'm not super concerned about because it was pretty bad last year mm -hmm. and they still ran for 200 yards a game and all that. 
I think it's going to be a little better this year because they have you know some young guys coming up. It's not going to be worse than it was last year, but it's a scheme that can protect against the line. That air version of the air raid can right. protect against the it's line. It's quick. Those are quick hitters. Right. And you don't They've need got to a, yeah, blocks. Exactly. Yeah. They got a lot of talent coming back to the skill position. So then it comes down to the quarterback. And and right. here's the here's the thing I, I I need people to understand what I'm about to say here. Everybody knows Sam Howe was my favorite quarterback in last year's draft class. Not necessarily saying the best, just my favorite. The guy that I like the most. But when you look at sort of what they have coming back, who wins the quarterback battle is and ultimately going to determine whether or not North Carolina is going to be a threat to Notre Dame. And and I say that because Drake Drake May is a nice quarterback. You know, he's a good player, good, solid young player. He's he's fine. Jacoby Criswell is the guy that worries me because he's got a really nice arm. He's a dual threat quarterback, but he's not a runner per se, right? Vince, like he can run, you can do designed runs with him. He's got a nice thick frame. Right. He's a good athlete, but he's a runner. He is an effective runner, but he's not a runner. He wants to throw. He can hurt sure. you with his arm. He's got, he had some really nice high school film coming out and he's a talented player. Last year went 13 of 21 for 179 yards and very limited time. You know, he's the guy that I'm, I'm I'm most concerned about when it comes to if he wins the starting quarterback job, he presents an even tougher test because he is a much more dangerous scrambler than Drake May. And and I think he's he's can can hurt you very similarly to how Sam Howell hurt Notre Dame last year. And, you know, because look, if, if they if Sam Howell didn't run on Notre Dame last year, that game's not even close. I mean, it's he ran for over 100 yards yeah, against Notre Dame. Absolutely. And so anytime, until they prove otherwise, I'm going to constantly be concerned about Notre Dame being able to play teams that yeah. have mobile fair. quarterbacks. And I when you combine fair. that with the talent they have at other positions, and again, like they lost Ty Chandler. He got drafted. They don't have a ton coming back. I don't I, I don't know if British Brooks is even – if he's on the team either. I know that he's a he was considered a senior last year. I don't know if he's got a COVID year or not. You know, DJ Jones is okay, but they got two two really talented young running backs coming in. George Petway is one who I like quite a bit. So, and you know my stance, Vince. Running back's not a position you need experience. You just right. need talent. And, right. You know, if you have the talent, you can play. And so, they got two freshmen coming I in, I think right? they'll be fine at running back. It really comes down to who starts at quarterback. And and if, if Criswell wins the job, not by default, but wins the job, then I'm going to look at that and say, you know, hey, that that group's got a chance to really, really, really do something here this year and be, and be a surprise team. Because last year they were the hunted and they didn't handle it well. That's this true. year there's a decent amount of people dismissing them. Because, Vince, you had mentioned that you'd seen them in some top 25s. I haven't seen them in a ton. Like, they've been in some, right. but not a lot of them. And most it's been mostly like BYU, USC, Clemson, and Ohio State. But okay. I think they're they're getting overlooked a little bit this year because there's this assumption that because Sam Howell's gone, they're just going to take a step back. Well, I'm I'm kind of making an opposite argument to what I made last year because remember we thought they were overrated going into last year. People yeah. in the top ten because it's like you can't lose two thousand yard running backs, a thousand yard receiver, and all these players, and you're going to be better the next year. That's that's silly. Well, it's kind of the same thing happening to them now, but I think because of some of the coaching turnover, that boosts them up a little bit. And the fact that there is a lot of other talent coming back, where last year if the offense didn't play great, they were going to lose. There's not that same burden on them this year. So that's kind of my thing is, is this is going to be the first post-Ohio State game where we're really going to get a chance to see yes what this Notre Dame football team is made of. I completely agree with that because they could almost, and I don't, I don't want to underestimate Marshall and Cal, but they could almost un, 
sleepwalk through those two games and still come out victorious. Now, of course, you and I will talk about those games and and, and about what we see. And, and if that's the case, uh, we'll have concerns, no question, coming out of games two and three. But I don't see much of a way that Notre Dame isn't any worse than two and one coming out of the first three games. So going into week four with North Carolina, we're going to have games to watch of North Carolina. We're going to have an idea of who North Carolina is versus what Notre Dame brings to the table as well. But this is going to be the next big test after Ohio State for Notre Dame. Going on the road, a potential top 25 team at that at that point. And you're going to have you know a first-year starting quarterback that's going to have some games under his belt. And right. so we're going to know kind of what that offense is going to look like, et cetera. Yeah, and they're coming off a bye, right? So they got Florida A&M in the opener. Then they've got two road games at App State, at Georgia State, then a bye. So they're, they're you know, games. The, the app state. Well, the app state game could be a test. App state's yeah. a good football team, but a And M's are a, a, a tune up game. Georgia state should be. If they're two and one, it's like, okay, you know, they're not yeah. that great, but if they're three and oh, and they're coming off a bye, and right. you know, with, the, with a brand new starter quarterback, you get time to kind of rethink some things. It's going to be interesting to see how, how that, it, how that gets handled. Cause it's really yeah. going to be their first big test. And look, there's going to be a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because North Carolina gained some confidence against Notre Dame last year. Even Yes, Notre Dame won. But that was a game Notre Dame was supposed to blow them out. They were unranked. They were they were really struggling as a program. And Notre Dame just didn't couldn't put them away. Yeah. And, and I think that North Carolina gained a lot of confidence in going into that game. Because, you know, if you were, you know, I think they were, what, four and three at that time. They had lost by 10 to Florida State, got blown out by Georgia Tech. And you're like, okay, well, this should be a team that the Notre Dame dominates, and they didn't. Yeah. And and they just could not stop Sam Howe. Like, well, Sam Howe's not back. Well, Notre Dame also had some scheme problems in that game last year. Remember, they turned, uh, they had like that pick route that that should have got called but didn't get called for a big play. They had that blown coverage by Ramon Henderson that resulted in another big play. We could talk about well, you clean the scheme things up, and and you're gonna you're gonna fix that. That's all true. But in North Carolina's minds, they're thinking, man. We we did we we can play with them absolutely right like if we can if we tackled but because here's what they're saying they're saying to themselves something similar that what we've talked about in Notre Dame boy if Notre Dame would have tackled better against this team and that team it's a different story well if they tackled better Kyron Williams is brought down for a a three yard loss at the three yard line not running for a ninety one yard touchdown exactly right? yeah. I mean now that may be true or not true right I mean it could just that's, be that he's a way better player than you that's how you spin it. That's how they view it in, yeah, in their minds. Absolutely. And so they're going to come into this game with a lot of uh, confidence. They're not going to be intimidated by Notre Dame. Especially even, if they're 3-0 coming off of a bye. Right. And, and even if Notre Dame's 3-0. I mean, they're not going to be intimidated by Notre Dame because it's going to be very much, well, no one thinks we're going to win anyway. Right. And this is this is the kind of game where I feel like North Carolina is dangerous. Now, should Notre Dame beat them? Yes. What, what, what frustrates me, Vince, is whenever you talk pause about an opponent, you get those people jumping. Well, you're just saying that to uh, you know cover. No, we're not just going to get out here and talk about every point. Well, Notre Dame's better than them. They should kill them by thirty. There's other fanboy shows that you can watch for that, right? Yes, there are. The fact is, is that if you don't properly appreciate an opponent, then you can't properly appreciate the victories, even the convincing ones. Yes, absolutely. Now, well, of course, they beat that team by thirty. That that team's no good. Well, that takes away from wow, they beat that team by thirty. That's a really good win, right? And and so that's kind of what the point of this is. But this is a game Notre Dame should win, and if they win, which they again they should, you go into your first bye week 
either 4-0 and red hot or 3-1 and and on your way to overcoming that first loss. Yeah. And, and then as you come out of the bye, most likely, Vince, you're going to be facing a team that's probably ranked, I would think, and a team that, in talking about BYU, and a team that, in my opinion, has a chance to be your first sort of your first notch on your belt of, okay, th- what is this team going to be? Because when you look at BYU coming into that game, got some tough they game. have five games under their belt, right? Yeah. They play at UCF, right. and there's two games they have, and then they play home against Wyoming, home against Utah State. Those should all three be wins, right? Well, games two and three are home against Baylor yeah. and at Oregon. Those are tough ones. They got to go one and one against those two teams. If they go one and one against those two teams, they're going to be ranked when they're in place. Them. So if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're rooting for for BYU to win at least one of those games. Then after Notre Dame, they go they play they host Arkansas. Mm-hmm. So props to Baylor and Arkansas for being willing to play at BYU. Seriously, I'm being serious. Like there are not a lot of teams from power five, especially sec schools that will go on the road and play a non-conference and, and props to Arkansas for doing that props to Baylor for doing that. Cause BYU is a good football team. So that's a very interesting one, Vince, because this could be your first game that gives you a chance to kind of get that, that ranked win under your belt. If you lose the opener, Ohio state, if you win the opener against Ohio state, this is your first chance to kind of solidify to say, Hey, that wasn't a fluke. You can't dismiss it. Cause it was the first game. You can't write all those kind of things off. We are good because look what we just did to BYU on a neutral field that's a lot closer to their home stadium, home state than sure. it is ours. I, here's how I feel about this kind of two-game stretch, right? I think there's a really good chance, I mean, a really good chance, um, that North Carolina is undefeated going into the game with Notre Dame, right? And there's a chance that if, if they're ranked in the preseason and they go 3-0, and they're still going to be ranked. And then you get BYU, and you just you just outline how they need to be ranked, right? What they need to do with their schedule, okay? They need to win those three games. They need to go one and one, and I think that they will be ranked as well. I think this, regardless of what happens in game one for Notre Dame and Ohio State and all that, right? As long as it's somewhat competitive, right? This is where Notre Dame can start to take off a little bit. Like, I feel like this is a bit of a launching point in games four and five for Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Because, again, I think they're, they're going to beat – you know, in games two and three, they're going to win those two games against Marshall and Cal. This is an opportunity where you get two ranked teams, potentially, you get those wins, and it, and and they could be convincing wins too, depending on how things go. This could launch Notre Dame into a really good place with the rest of the season. And mm-hmm. and it's going gonna, it's gonna to prop them up, because okay? then you've got Stanford, and we, we're, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but I still feel like that's going to be a win for Notre Dame too. So like this quarter can make almost make or break Notre Dame season, but I think it has every yeah. potential to really launch them into the rest of the season. Right. Because when you, when you look at the rest of Notre Dame's schedule, right, after they play BYU, there's Stanford, which we'll talk about in a minute, UNLV and Syracuse on right. the road at the Carrier Dome. And I don't care what they what they renamed it. I'm not calling it the JMA Wireless Dome. It's, it's the Carrier Dome. I didn't even know okay. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's but no. you're right. right, Vince. If you can win those two games over two quality opponents to varying degrees, I think BYU is better than North Carolina. I do, right I do too. And, and the other thing is they're completely different styles. Like North Carolina is about scheme and tempo and plays. BYU is is play some tempo on offense, but BYU is a physical football team, sure. even offensively. And so 
you win those two games and you're like, okay, you've really got some confidence going into that stretch. And when you look at BYU, especially look, the reality is I'm going to, I'm going to have this conversation unless BYU goes out, just gets blasted by Baylor and Oregon. I'm going to, I'm going to continue this mantra. This is a good football team. Yeah. This is a team that went five and one against power five opponents last year and brings back almost everybody from that team. Now they lost their running back who was really good last year, but he was, I think he was drafted really late in the draft. If he was drafted at all, I'd have to go look at that, but they bring back, it's something silly, like 14 of their top 15 tacklers or something like that from last year. But it's, it's insane how many kids they have coming back this, this year, because, and, and their defense was up and down. How about that? Right. Gave up 24.8 points a game. Looked good against Utah, looked good against Arizona State, looked good against Washington State, looked bad against Baylor, looked terrible against Virginia, gave up a lot of points to USC, didn't look good against UAB, but then had some other games. You're like, wow, this defense, they play good football, right? And and so you don't – but you bring everybody back, and they were young last year on defense. For You know, eligibility-wise, they were young last year. I mean, their top, their top two tackle for loss guys were both freshmen. Then their fourth and fifth tackle for lost guys were sophomores. You look at tackles, their first four leaders and tacklers were a freshman, sophomore, sophomore, freshman. Now, again, a lot of those guys had COVID years and redshirt years. I don't think in I don't eligible like true freshmen, but they were still younger, inexperienced guys. And I'm looking like actually, I I, I was mistaken on that. I think it's 15, four, 15 of their first 16 guys come back from last year's team let me just look through that yeah they had one guy drafted this year 15 of their first 16 of their top 16 tacklers from last year are set to return this year so they're they're going to come back and and they're going to be a tough good quality football team now should Notre Dame beat them yes but is this going to be a much more competitive game potentially than people think yeah it's one of those games that I look at Vincent and I say, this is just a get the W game, in my opinion. Okay. Just get because it's going to be hard to get your team fired up for BYU. Let's just be honest. I don't care where they're ranked. It's going to be difficult. There's these players don't understand the history of this matchup, and it's yeah. not a long history, but they've played some very competitive games in the past. It's funny you say that because this is not a difficult game for me to get hyped up for, and not because of where it's you located. grew up in the you grew up in the era where BYU could go smack some people. Yeah, right. and 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 look, even what they've done over the last couple of years, they've gotten a lot of press and a lot of airtime about what they've been able to do now. I think a lot of the stuff that they that has been said about them, they're beating down on some teams that you know aren't great or whatever. Two years ago is a hundred thousand percent true, right? Yes. Exactly. But I mean, if you look at like again last year's schedule and then this year's schedule, they're not afraid to be right. you know scheduling certain guys. So I don't think it's going to be that hard for them to get up for this game, especially with the head coach, and I think he knows how to push the right buttons right. emotionally. At least we think so. Um, but yeah, and it's going to be a Shamrock Series game, and you have all that. I don't know how much of that means to the kids. I don't. I don't know. I don't playing know in Vegas much. is an interesting aspect. Like how how fired up are they for that? But here's the other the other intriguing aspect of this. This is their last year as an independent. Yeah, so they're going to the Big Twelve the next year. Oh, I forgot. So about there's that. a lot on the table for BYU for that too. I like you know, go that. get yourself some dubs for against Power Five teams in advance of the, going to the Big Twelve because then that help. Like, here's my thing: if you're BYU as head coach, and you don't say this to the players, but this is what you're saying to your coaches. 
we're going to go to the Big 12. And yeah, we can compete with these teams, but it's one thing to do it, you know, five, six times. It's another thing to do it like nine times, sure. right? And that's the reality when you play in the Big 12 is, you you know, you play nine conference games. Now, yeah. I assume that's going to be the same when they expand to 14 teams, but when it was 10 teams, you played everybody. So obviously you're not going to play everybody now that they've expanded and added, I think they added Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, and BYU, correct? Sounds right. I, I remember th- Cincinnati and BYU for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. Let, let me go. Uh, let me go. That's happening in 23, like that 23. quickly? 23, wow. yeah. Yeah, it's happening in 23. So let me go. Let me just go make sure I look. Yeah, it's Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, and Houston. BYU and Houston make a ton of sense. I don't think Cincinnati and UCF make a ton of yeah. sense. Football, yeah. like geographically, but they make sense. You know, Cincinnati's a good program. UCF's a huge market. Yeah, it feels that. like a lot of the conferences are going away from their geographic uh, footprint these days. Right. Anyway, Agree. I mean, started Agreed. on the big bad. So, and at least they don't have a geographical name. That's the other thing. That's it's a like, good it's point. Not like this conference that's now getting a bunch of teams from the Southwest in their league, whatever. But uh, you look at it, Vince, and, and it's the. But if you know we're going, we're joining the Big Twelve. If we can knock off, if we, if we, I'm looking at it from BYU's point of view. If we can, we play Baylor, Arkansas, Oregon, and Notre Dame. If we can knock off two to three of those teams, we're going to give ourselves a huge recruiting push. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, th- there's a lot at stake for BYU this year. And, sure. and you look at their schedule. There's a lot of games where it's like, okay, we talked about Baylor and Oregon. There's Notre Dame. There's Arkansas. They play at Liberty. They play at Boise State. They play at Stanford. Uh, so I guess that's five Power Five teams. You've yeah, got to go three and two against those teams, in my opinion, and then beat yeah. the other teams you're supposed to, to beat. But you know, at Liberty won't be a won't be a cakewalk even without Malik Willis. At Boise State won't be a cakewalk. I mean, you play East Carolina. So it, it's going to be interesting, Vince. And this isn't – you talk about all the guys coming back. Jaron Hall's a good quarterback. He's got weapons to throw to. They're not real super athletes, but they're great route runners. They have great hands. They compete for the ball. They have a physical offensive line. They got everybody coming back on defense. It's a, it's a really interesting situation. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And, I again, I think – the the aspect of playing in that new stadium, I think, is going to be part of it. I think that the excitement level for Notre Dame is going to be big. I, I, I want to. Somebody said something about the you know playing in Vegas and all that. It's not like the guys are going to go out gambling the night before. Right. Like they're going to be in a hotel, they're going to go to the game, and then they're going to leave. It's it's not like the NFL where they have free time. So yeah, I, I want. It doesn't matter that it's in Vegas. The fact that it's at a really nice stadium in an NFL stadium. Yeah. Now that's I think something to look forward to if you're a player. But the but the fact that it's you know they're not hitting the strip you yeah. know what I mean I would hope not I would hope not and if they <laughs> are it. then this team has bigger problems than yes. agreed you know, playing agreed. Las Vegas I don't think right. they're going to be able to allowed to get out of the hotel long enough to do that but right that's another conversation maybe the, maybe well, they'll go to a show or something as a as team, you and I both know Vince it ain't that hard to get out of a hotel if you're dead set on it you know but it just depends on you know what's your leadership like exactly do you have the leadership do you have the focus as a and team to say the player level 100 percent, 100 percent. it's got to be the it's got to be the players the players have got to be able to say hey listen we're getting in town you know they'll probably get in town like friday like normal you know friday afternoon hey everybody listen well this is a business trip right we're not here to we're not here to go see there we're not here to go to this we're not here to go that we're not here to see this thing we're not here to do this we're here to handle some business 
right? And if we do what we need to do, we'll come back this summer as as a group <laughs> and we'll have some fun, right? Right. But we'll all pull we'll you know, we'll, we'll we'll put all of our nil money to a pool and we'll take a team Vegas trip in the off season if we handle our business right. <laughs> Uh, and of course, there's there you know there's a fine line between it being a business trip and being college football. We we've talked right. about that a few times because well, uh, there has to be some emotion involved. But well, at the business same time, trip is not that to me. I'm not talking about the nameless, faceless, faceless opponent thing. Brian Kelly business trip, trip is we're yeah. here to handle some business, right? right? And exactly. that's I mean that is fire. That is passion. It's yes. It's not a business. It's a business trip. We're here to take care of business. We're here to take care of yes. BYU. We're not here to have fun and the party and do all that other kind of stuff. That's what I'm referring to. Yes. And that's what the focus needs to be. And if then there's not a dang thing the coaches can do about that. Right. I mean, they can to a degree, but you as coaches, you can't have the coaches up till three o'clock in the morning making sure nobody's sneaking out of the room. Right. right. I mean, it's going to come down to the leadership of the football team and, right. and the focus of this football team to say, hey, look, let me tell you something. If one of y'all steps out of line, the coaches are going to be the least of your problems. You know, that's that's great. That's what leadership is. Yeah, I could not agree more. And I think so, there is leadership. Yeah, team, but we'll that's we'll what see we're going to learn. Yeah, that's how we're going to learn about this football team. Yeah, so. no question. No question. And then now, there's course, the final one. Vince. Yeah, the final one is Stanford. And, and, and Stanford is, I mean, look, Notre Dame has dominated Stanford recently. There, I mean, there's no question about it. And I, I still think it's not like Stanford's going to go, you know, circling the drain. I, that, that's, I don't think Stanford will ever be in that you know, uh, scenario. So they're going to be, they're what not going to mean, Vince? What do you mean by that? Well, I don't think I'm, that they're I'm honest question. I don't know what you mean by, by no, that. no, no. I don't think that they're going to get to a point where they're going to be a perennial two and three win team. You know what I mean? Where they just can't recruit anymore. Yeah. They're not they're that be, far off to be honest with you. Yeah. I just, I, I'm going to give them a little three bit. and four games and two of the last three. I mean, you could say they've won four less games the last three years, but that would be cheating because they went four and two in 2020. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> but they went four and eight two years ago and went three and nine last year. Yeah. I, mean, I, I just feel like they bad. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be able to rebound at least enough to be a 500 ball club. You know what I mean? Now, yeah, I hope. Again, I hope. The, and, and we've talked about it a bunch, right? I, I don't really necessarily want Stanford on the schedule anymore. Like this game right. does not excite me anymore. It really never did, to be perfectly honest with you. I've never really, I've under, I understood it in the past, you know, getting that game out in California, yeah. but I just don't think that that's necessary anymore, to be honest with you. And there's a plenty of other teams on the West Coast that you could schedule where that could still right. fulfill. Like that. we've talked, and, and we'll talk about this. We'll have a schedule, like right. an ideal schedule thing. And that's important. Right. Like, you know, mix up the West Coast trips, yes. right? Play UCLA exactly. a couple of years, play, exactly. you know, right, so, right. Make a return trip to Berkeley, which I wouldn't recommend, but, you know, <laughs> go play Washington, go play Arizona. Arizona State you know there's things you can do if you're dead set on playing out west and play one of those teams in a home at home or in a neutral field or something you don't you don't need to play Stanford and the only thing that attracted me was the fact that both teams were striving for excellence right and they're both academic schools and all that but like Stanford clearly doesn't take football that seriously and that's fine but you're not helping Notre Dame anymore you're just it's like it used to be for a while there in in the early in the Kelly era where like 2012 when they beat Stanford in 2012, like that was a springboard to a great season. It's like once they slayed that dragon, it's like nobody else is going to touch them. That was the one in the rain and all that too, yeah. right? Yeah. The overtime one where they had the, yeah. the fourth down stand at the end of the game and, yeah. and Tommy comes off the bench and, you know, whenever goes down and leads them to an overtime victory. And then, you know, 2014, you had a great comeback victory. And it's just it was one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it meant something to beat Stanford. And now it's just like, eh. 
you know, like you're pounding Stanford in the last game of the year while everybody else is playing in some rivalry game right. and you're playing a team that stinks. Yes. And the thing about bouncing back fence, I hope Stanford bounces back. I, I've always kind of liked David Shaw as a coach. Yeah, me too. He's gotten real. It's gotten real stale though. Right. And, and the offense is just soft. They can't run the, I mean, their rushing numbers in recent years have just been, which has never been like, their calling card. Believe. Like, their calling card was running the ball, yes. putting offensive linemen in at tight end and just, Pushing and it up and I think we've talked about this before, but it was weird because it just came it came out of nowhere. Right, like in in from fifteen to seventeen, this is what. Well, really, if you look at like he took over in what eleven was his first year? David Shaw's first year was Sounds eleven, about. right? They averaged two hundred ten yards rushing. They had a thirteen hundred yard rusher. Twenty twelve, they had a fifteen hundred yard rusher. Two thousand thirteen, they had a seventeen hundred yard rusher. 2014, they didn't run the ball that well and individually, but they still averaged 158.8 yards per game. That was their down year. Yeah. And then they had some injuries and all that. Then the next year, you know, you have Christian McCaffrey breaks out and he goes for 2,019 yards. Then the next year, he goes for 1,600 yards and Bryce Love goes for over 700. So your top two backs combined for over 2,300 yards and 17, Bryce Young, Bryce Love goes for over 2100 yards they and and 19 touchdowns and then all of a sudden the bottom falls out the next year he only has 739 yards they only average 107.9 yards per game the next year they fall down to 105.5 the next year they fall they go up up to 132.8 and then this past year they averaged 86.8 yards per game as a team and it's like it went from one of the best running teams in the country to you guys suck at running the football. And it's bizarre. It like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like what happened? I mean, they were known for what really physical football and great defense. And last year they were complete opposite that they were soft and their defense was terrible and he won't do anything about it. That's the, that's the confusing thing. Like their defense has been so bad in recent years and he won't, he won't do anything about it. And that's that's the thing that really blows my mind, Vince. Is like it, it's it's kind of like you know we're 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 getting on Brian Kelly for not firing coaches who were at least doing an okay job, but not a good enough job for Notre Dame. And and you look at you look at Stanford and Lance Anderson has been there for years, and their defense is abysmal. They mm. gave up 32, 32.4 points per game last year. Gave up 31.7 the year before that. Gave up 29.8 the year before that. Those numbers make Brian Van Gorder's tenure look good. I'm serious. I know you are. That's what's funny about it. Like, how does he still have a job? Right. Right. If you're serious, problem. That's the problem. David Shaw is just, I don't know if it's like apathy. I don't know if it's like he's got the same stuff on David Shaw that Brian Van Gorder had on Brian Kelly. I'm joking. It doesn't make sense, but it's like you're you're not serious about being competitive when when you're allowing that because it's right. what we gotta say, Vince. You either teach it or you allow it, right? Mm-hmm. Like things like that. And for a defensive coordinator to have that little success year after year after year, and and you do nothing about it, it just it it, it it's puzzling mm-hmm. to say the least. It's puzzling. And you said that you think they may bounce back. I hope they do. But the concern is for me is anything else. I don't have a whole lot of empirical evidence that says that. But, you know, the 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 Stanford that has been around most of my adult life 
is a team that's competitive and it's a team that right. you know puts out really good tight ends and puts out offensive linemen and put they will know, have a good tight end this year smash mouth and it's like yeah. i wish for notre dame's sake that that stanford team was around because i'm okay with a physical team because it shows yeah. me what my team can do you right. know what i mean like it was a great measuring stick that's a great point vince stanford's always a measuring stick for who you were as a football program absolutely and then right now the Stanford that we have seen the past couple of years, they don't do anything for the schedule for Notre Dame. No, they don't. And that's disappointing. If anything, they hurt your schedule because yes, they've been agree. so bad. Absolutely. And, you know, it's like we talked about Nebraska, who was also three and nine last year. And I've talked about how I really think Nebraska could be pretty good because you look at all their games, their, their worst loss was by nine points. I mean, they literally were a play here, a play there, away from being an eight, nine, maybe even a 10 win football team last year. But when you look at Stanford, Vince, it's like, no, they weren't really in any of those games except for really Washington State. I mean, they lost by Washington by a touchdown, but it's just like all their other games were were not only like not competitive, like, you know, that they weren't in a chance to win it late, but they weren't even competitive, Vince. I mean, it was was really embarrassing. And and I, I thought I was right on this, but yeah, I was right on this. Stanford scored 13 points in the fourth quarter against Washington in that game where they lost 20 to 13. I, I was like, I, I thought I remember like they were down most of that. Yeah. They were down 12, three going to that game. Not competitive is what you're saying. Yeah. They, then, then they took a lead in the fourth quarter, 13, 12. And then of course they give up a you know touchdown drive to Washington at the end to lose it. So, I mean, they had a chance to win it, but they just aren't good. That's accurate. I, I want to throw this up there. I mean, I'm not that you have a list yeah. in front of you, but like that is crazy to me that that would be the case. Yeah. And it's nothing against David Shaw. It's eight and a half million dollars a year right. is a heck of a lot of money. To I'm looking it up now. The leader of a, of, a, of a team that you don't have a whole lot of faith in or a whole, whole lot of support. Uh, according to an article out right now, he is the sixth highest paid coach in college football at $8.925 million per year. $9 million. Now he lives in California, so he's getting like, he's only getting like three mil of that, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, and factors in as well, yeah. uh, you know, but no, I mean, it, it, it's, it's just one of those things, Vince, where he earned that kind of early in his career, but yeah. they haven't, he hasn't been that guy in a while. Right. And, and that's the, I mean, cause if you look at like the, like the last three games against Notre Dame, like Stanford dominated Brian Kelly for most of his yes. tenure. And if you look at Kelly's record against Stanford, he had a, he was five and six against Stanford, won his last three. But he only beat, I think, two Stanford three. Like he was like three and five against Stanford teams with or three and six against Stanford teams with a winning record. Like their last two teams they beat were four and eight and three and nine, and they beat them convincingly. Now the the eighteen win was a that was a decent that was a nine win Stanford team, and you pounded them pretty good. At the time they were ranked in the top ten, and then of course you lost in twenty seventeen, you lost in twenty sixteen, you lost in twenty fifteen, a game you should have won. You know, but to your point, Stanford went through a stretch here where they beat Notre Dame, including the Weiss, the the last year of the Weiss era. Like Charlie, Charlie and Ty all beat Stanford. I mean, they had won seven straight against Stanford, and then Charlie lost that last game, and then Stanford won uh, a total of seven out of nine games against Notre Dame. I mean, dominated that series. Yeah. And then Notre Dame won the last three. And so, it, it, but it, it hasn't even been close. Right. I mean, and it, just, that, that's the thing. It's, it hasn't been competitive. And it's definitely not the measuring stick that it used to be. Yeah. A win against Stanford used to be a really big deal. You know, like yeah. you said, 
the launching point for the 2012 season. I mean, that overtime win, that was huge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and they've had really good quarterback. You know, they, they obviously had the luck kid and, and they, mm-hmm. they've, they've had those running backs and, you know, you, you've outlined all of it. And it's, it's disappointing to me. And I think it might be, again, wishful thinking that, that Stanford rebounds and comes back. But if they're going to continue to be on Notre Dame's schedule, then as an analyst, I need to see Stanford come back. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not even a data point for me on the Notre Dame schedule anymore. It's, it's mm-hmm. a waste of our time, essentially. It's like, it's like playing a Mac school. Yeah. That's disappointing to me. I, it's like playing Vanderbilt or – it's you unfortunate. Know, it, it is. I hope so. They to get me, if, if they don't show signs of life, see, here's the thing: the Notre Dame Stanford. I, I believe. Let me just look because I want to make sure I'm correct on this. Yeah. This is the last year. 2023 is the last year that they're on the schedule. I believe. Okay. Interesting. So, I'm sorry. 2024 okay. is the last year that they're on the schedule. So there's two more years of Stanford being on the schedule after this. If you're Jack Swarbrick, you've got to really look seriously about what they do the next two yes. years. Because if they don't get better, you cannot extend that series, in my opinion. Rotate that and last can, game, but it just it you're and it's only every other year too because you're going to keep you're going to keep USC. I would right. imagine. I don't see that one going anywhere. So you're only talking about the odd years, the twenty like 23, 25, 27. You're only looking at the odd years where okay, if you want to continue to finish in California, if that's a thing that's really important to you, there are a lot of quality teams on the West coast that you can finish with. Yeah. And, and I mean, you can even stay in the pac 12. You can, you can do an Oregon or, or a UCLA. I mean, there there's options on the table if you want to end the season in California. Right. Or the West coast in general. I mean, cause I, I think there's at least going to be a two year hiatus because when I look at the 2025 schedule, Notre Dame has Texas A&M, Purdue, Arkansas already and USC already scheduled on top of, and Navy on top of their five uh, opponents ACC. that are in the ACC. So you have two games left. So you have Texas A&M, Purdue, at Arkansas, home against USC, Navy. Then you're at BC, at Miami, at Pitt, and you have home games against NC State and, and Syracuse. Yeah. That's a pretty challenging schedule. Do you want to add Stanford onto it if they're right. good or bad? Right. Or do you want to say, let's go schedule, you know, Let's go schedule some team, you know, some MAC team because they're going to need to schedule that kind of a, a Marshall, a Western right. Michigan on that twenty twenty. I didn't hear that right. kind of a game yet. Right, so, right. Yeah. Especially if you believe that Lincoln Riley is going to turn USC around, it's even more reason to make to make sure, like sure. you know, to make sure that that's more of a, a winnable game. So I, I definitely think they at least take a two year hiatus, and then the next year they have ten scheduled the next year as well. They've got Wisconsin, Purdue, at USC, at Navy, and then home against Michigan State at some like that. point in time. So you've got a ten, you've got a ten game schedule with Wisconsin, Purdue, USC, and Michigan State already on it. Do you really want to add? You know, you know what I mean. Right. So like, I could definitely see Notre Dame and Stanford taking a hiatus. And honestly, at this point in time, it needs to. Cool with it. I really it am. To. Especially yeah. if Stanford's not going to rebound. If they're if if their ceiling right now is five hundred, right. it doesn't do anything. Notre Dame right it's like DC to- Irish says I like the Stanford games it's a good rivalry it helps beef up the schedule if they're good agree and and five years ago I would have never dreamed of having the conversation we're having now DC exactly. that, that, that that's the thing is like I agree with this point completely Vince the problem is they're just they're not good and they haven't been good for a few years 
and they haven't done anything to make us think that they're doing anything to get good. That's the problem. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, you have a head coach who just refuses to get rid of bad coaches. They don't work on a recruiting trail. And, you know, it just, it, where am I, where what? Is that, where did that happen before? Oh yeah. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Just, it's, <laughs> I guess it's deja vu. Good yeah. thing going. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's just, it's not, a, it's not a good, but, but again, during that time when, I mean, you're kind of joking about Brian Kelly, right? Yes. But Notre Dame still won. You're absolutely right. Because you, you know, you, they still won. Right. And, and, you know, we're, we're ticked about Brian Kelly going 10 and three and 11 and two and 10 and two and stuff like that. Like they're three and nine and four and eight. I mean, you know, and when Brian Kelly went four and eight, Notre Dame made big changes. A lot of them weren't up to Brian Kelly. That's the difference. Nailed it. Jack Swarbrick was like, no, this isn't going to continue. Brian Kelly wanted to keep Brian Van Gorder for the remainder of that season. Jack Swarbrick said, no bueno. Right. Right? That's not happening farm right there's no exactly jack swarbrick drove the push to bring in chip long and mike elko and guys like that that's not happening at stanford they're just letting david shaw do whatever the heck he wants to do and which is nothing basically and it's unfortunate because i I think he's a brilliant coach i think he's had a ton of success there i just don't know if he's like bored or what my hope is that he gets rejuvenated because i do think it's good for the pac-12 when stanford is good and stanford plays like they used to play because it gives you that physical measuring stick to your point, Vince, and, and it gives them another. I think the Pac-12 needs to be better. I think it's good for college football, and the Pac-12 is, is a good con- – it doesn't have to be great, but it's a good – it's never in my lifetime been a great conference. I've, I don't remember – like there was all, but there was always at least one team. potentially great team in there, and, and there was always kind of like a, a depth of quality. You know, Mike Bellotti had Oregon as a quality program for a number of years. Even before they became the Oregon of the, of the 2000s, they were a quality program. There was a couple years in the early uh, 90s under 
Don James and Jim Lambright where Washington was a national title contender for several years. I mean, they, they beat Miami one year when Miami finished number two. I thought they should have won the national title that year. You know, I mean, yeah. Oh, clan kept firing. Yeah. Yeah. The like- year yeah, the Mark Brunel, who was the other quarterback they had on, it was Mark Brunel and uh, Billy Joe Hobart, right? There Wasn't that go. the two man they had uh, Hugh Millen or was a quarterback on that team. They had the, um, they had the uh, uh, Heward brothers, both played quarterback there. You know, you had Rick Neuheisel was the coach there for a hot second. You know, like they had some quality teams at Washington. And then, you know, UCLA under Terry Donahue never had an elite team, but they always had good teams, you know. And there was always at least, you know, there was the stretch under, um, what was the name, the the defensive coach that that had Arizona for a few years was really good. They had the Desert Swarm and all that kind of stuff. Dick Tomey, right? I mean, and then, of course, USC. And so the Pac-12 was at least like a quality conference. You had the the couple of years when Oregon State was really good with Jonathan Smith was the quarterback. You had Dennis Erickson there, if you remember that. Chad, their name fans remember that, sadly. You know, with Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada and Ken – I was going to say Ken Oxendine. It was Ken Simonton was a running back. Ken Oxendine was at Virginia Tech. But, like, they had some – there was always, like, some good teams in the Pac-12. It was never a great conference, but there were some good yeah. teams in there. And lately it's just been – just kind of bad. And, and so it's good for the Pac-12. So whether it's Stanford or somebody else, but I do think Stanford being good adds a, an element to the Pac-12 that sure. it just doesn't have. So, But if they do bounce back, like you say, Vince, that's North Carolina being what I think they're going to be and Stanford bouncing back like you hope that they do is going to determine where this quarter falls sure. on the overall schedule. I, I think realistically – you know, North Carolina is obviously going to be undefeated when Notre Dame plays them. I, I don't. I think that that's very possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think BYU is going to be ranked. And I don't think Stanford's going to rebound completely this season. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about two pretty solid opponents, two ranked opponents, and an opportunity for Notre Dame to, you know, make a statement here in mm-hmm. the second quarter. Because um, yeah. now you're going in. You're, you're going to have half your season out of the way at this point. I think, you know, realistically, you're going to be five and one, you know, six and zero obviously is ideal. Five and one is, is the, the floor for me at this point. It really is. And so um, I think that that's a very realistic uh, record. And if you're five and one and you, it was a competitive loss to Ohio state, then you you're in a pretty good shape moving into the second half or the third quarter of the schedule. I really do. And, and the second quarter can just launch them up even right. more on yeah, because your next two games coming out of it are, are games you just steamroll. Yes. So it'll be nice to have some momentum. Here's another thing we didn't talk about during the show, Vince, but this is why I love IB uh, members mm-hmm. because they really think about things and they think outside the box. And Toe Jam says uh, – we have two people. DC Irish says the, the farm has been horrible to play on for a long time and they need to fix that field. And then Toe Jam says the farm is like playing on green painted sand. That's another reason why I would drop Stanford. Yeah. I mean, it, that is to me an unsafe field to play on. I don't think it's a coincidence Stanford has been ravaged by injuries in the last few years, and that's their home field. Right. I mean, just the sli- – look, your body's not meant to slip that way constantly. You know, you, that's how you get pulls and tears and things and breaks and things like that is when you plant this way and all your momentum goes that way, and then the other part of your body goes this way, and that's how things can happen. It's not safe to play on that field. And so to me, it's like, if you're not serious about fixing this field, then we're not, we're just not, we're just, I can't justify putting my kids 
into right. that environment anymore. Yep. I'm sorry. And I wonder, honestly, because you, like you said, after the next two seasons, that that rivalry is going away. Right. R- rivalry, the the series is going away. I wonder if that had something to do with it. And I really do. One of them is at Stanford, I believe. Next year's at Stanford, but then the final game in 2024 is at home. So two of the next three are at home. Right. So yeah, I mean, you look, you control this. You don't need Stanford. Stanford oh, needs Notre Dame a whole lot more than yes. Notre Dame needs Stanford. Absolutely agree. With and that. and I don't think Stanford cares much about that series anymore either. They care about that series when Notre, when they're beating Notre Dame. They don't care about losing to Notre yeah, Dame. Absolutely. So, it, I think it's time for that for that um, for that rivalry to go. To be and I'm happy. It looks like the writing is on the wall for at least a two year hiatus. Yeah. Hopefully further along the line than that. But I, yeah. I the writing is on the wall and I'm happy about that. I really yep. am. Agree. Agree. So that's the quarter, Vince. So I think your point is correct. They've got I think they've got to go three and oh in this. And obviously they've got to go three and oh. I will say this. If no name beats Ohio State and goes eleven and one, I don't think that loss will be to Clemson or USC. I think it'll come in this quarter. Mm. And now I'm not saying they're going to lose a game in this quarter, but it's kind of like, you know, you always have that stub, your, you know, you have that big win and you have that stub, your toe moment it happens to a lot of teams. I mean, I mean, Alabama, you know, I mean, Nick Saban has lost more games to Hugh Freeze than he's lost to Kirby Smart. Right. I mean, think about that for a second. You know what I mean? Um, you, you, you talk about Clemson losing at Syracuse, you know, losing against Pitt in, in 2016, Games like this tend to happen, and uh, you know it's just point. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes, but I think that's the other part of this of this deal too. Vince is this schedule is such that I'm not sure if like if they beat. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I should say if they do beat Ohio State and they're going to have a loss. I think it comes from this quarter. Which to my point is if they beat Ohio State. And run the table in this quarter is when I'll start thinking this team can run the table. It'll it'll have to be it'll have to be that in my opinion. It'll have to be something like that. No, that's fair. I, I think this is going to be a fun quarter for Notre Dame. Like I said, you've got one of everything. You've got a home game, you've got an away game, and you've got a neutral site game. And so you, you're going to get a good idea because again, when this quarter's over, you're halfway through the season, so we're going to have a really good idea who this Notre Dame team is in a lot of ways. And we can, we can, you know, go down the, the list of, of the ways that, you know, questions we're going to get answered at this point, but as a team, we're going to know a lot about Notre Dame and yeah. we're going to know a lot about how they got to this, to five and one, if that's ends up being what they are, right. Or, or, or whatever this, the, uh, the record happens to be at that time. But, um, we're going to have a lot of questions answered at that point. There's still going to be some lingering questions out there, of course. There, there's there's more big games to come, but we're going to know a lot about this team after six games. No yes. question about it. Yes. And I, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm excited about this quarter. I really am because yeah. I think even more so than in the first quarter, I think we get even more questions answered in the second quarter. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the that's one of the questions that DC Irish asked. It says, what loss do you guys think would be best for Notre Dame if they finish 11-1, and one, big win and a loss against weaker teams, or loss against big team and win against everyone else? I'm a big believer, Vince, that I, I care more about the wins than the losses. And we've seen that we've seen that shown out in college football. I mean, Ohio State, the first year that Ohio State won a national title, they lost to a 7-6 and six Virginia Tech team at home by 14. 
but they got in because they pounded Michigan State, who was a top 10 team at the time. They pounded Wisconsin. They pounded Michigan. We saw Clemson get in in 2016, Vince, because uh, even though they lost, like it was like second to last game of the year, if I remember correctly. It was like late in the season. Yeah, it was the – it was – no, it wasn't second to last game. It was third to last game of the regular season. They lost on November 12th to Pitt. And then in 2007, and that was not a good uh, pit team, but that year they beat Auburn on the road, who was ranked. They beat Virginia Tech, who was ranked. They beat Florida State, who was ranked on the road. They, you know, I mean, it was, they beat Louisville with Lamar Jackson that year. Like it was the big wins that helped them overcome. Not a great loss to Pitt. Pitt was like, you know, top 25 caliber team, but they weren't great. Uh, 2017, Clemson got the number one seed despite losing at a 4 and 8 Syracuse team. Why? Because they beat number 10 Auburn. They beat a ranked Virginia Tech team on the road. They beat a ranked NC State team on the road in 2017. So I, I've always believed that you get in because of who you beat, not because you, you you boy, you were really good against that one team that beat you. Right. You know, that's right. not that's well, justification. You, you, you're, if your playoff resume is, a, is around how well you lost. That's not a playoff resume. It's got to be built around the teams you, you you beat. So to the point of the question, I would rather they not lose any games. But if you could tell me, do you want Notre Dame to go 11-1 and with wins over, over Ohio State, Clemson, and USC, but a loss somewhere in quarter two? I would say I'd take that. The only, the only not great loss I'd have a problem with is if that if if that team if you're going to tell me it was going to be BC, that would not be good because I don't know if Notre Dame without a conference championship can sustain a late season loss right. and jump back in unless they were undefeated and now they've joined the ranks of the one loss teams. It, it would be very hard. Now the thing that could help them is if USC is good, then you jump you jump up and you know you beat them and then you jump back in the top four. But I. If they're going to lose to a not great team, I would want it to be in this quarter. Yeah, in before the before the halfway mark, because you've got plenty of time to not erase it, but yeah. answer it. You, it. Well, and to your point, the you've you've got a lot of get right games on your schedule. Right. Like, let's say they lost to North Carolina or BYU, they would not be ideal losses. But if you lost to North Carolina, you'd have a bye week, and then BYU, and then yeah. a bunch of get right games. Right. If you lose to BYU, merely jump into your get right games. And you got Stanford at home, and you've got you know UNLV, and you know just a lot of Syracuse. You got a lot of teams that you can go beat. Sure. Now, I, I would not be happy with any losses in any of those teams. No, right? me That's neither. Not what we're saying, but me if either. you're gonna if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna have a win over Ohio State and Clemson and USC, be eleven and one. I think I think that says a lot about your football team. I'd rather have that than eleven and one last year, where you right. beat all the teams that weren't good, and then you lost to the only good team you played. That was a very unsatisfying eleven and one season. It if was, to be honest. I agree. Because you're like, what are you hanging your hat on about next year? And that's why I wasn't year. even upset they didn't make it into the playoff because they didn't I mean, deserve it. I, I, I thought they, I thought they would have deserved it if Bama lost. Oh, I, I would have thought that everything shook out. Right. I, it didn't bother me because they once, Bama, once Bama, and that we we could have argued, you know, like, you know, Georgia and who did they beat? No, but the reality is, 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 is they would have had the win over Bama, right? Like to, that's your point, Vince. Like you know, Bama had a bad loss, but losing to Texas A&M, but and it was a they had some good wins, right? I mean, that was the thing. Is like you know, say, well, Cincinnati didn't beat anybody, beat Notre Dame, 
right? I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like they just – they're hanging their hat on a loss to Cincinnati in a game they never led. 60 minutes they trailed. I mean, well, not 60 minutes. I mean, Cincinnati – once Cincinnati scored early in the first quarter, right. they, they never they never led. They never tied it. The only tie of that game was 0-0. So to your point, yes, I want to I want to build season like like 2015. That's what left still leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. Notre Dame didn't beat anybody that 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 was a great Notre Dame a great Notre Dame team from a talent standpoint. Sure. They beat nobody. Their only ranked win that year was over Navy. Their second best win that year was over Temple because they lost to every other ranked team they played. Again, it was a coaching issue. But yes, I would always, I would always want to lose to a team that, in my opinion, was not as good, and then beat the great teams. Be, give me a win over Ohio State and a win over Clemson, but an upset early September loss to or late September loss to North Carolina, or be early October loss to BYU, and I'll, I'll I can handle that. Now, what I'd much rather prefer is twelve and zero. Absolutely, and we're halfway through, Vince. We're halfway through. I think. We could say at this point in time, at worst, you're expecting five and one, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's absolutely. Right. That's where I'm at at the moment. I mean, right. again, it's May, but yes, everything that I know so far up to this point, I fully anticipate nothing worse than five and one at this point yep. in our prediction, you know, game that we're playing. Yep. Um, so, and then so Thursday, we'll be back with quarter three, quarter number three, which yes. is going to be an interesting quarter to talk about because the first two games of that quarter are joke, and then it ends with. Clemson. The Tigers. Yes, a home game, luckily, with Clemson. Yep. Where they we, had we did have one question that I did want to address about what we're talking about before we go out of here, Vince. Kevin Marzalek says, where do you need to be ranked, uh, be ranking-wise at the midpoint to feel comfortable? So I imagine feeling comfortable means like a playoff berth. Right. To me, as long as you're – I mean, really, honestly, with Clemson and USC still on the schedule – and potentially, uh, I think BC is going to be better than people think. I think they're going to. I think they got a shot to be ranked when they come to Notre Dame Stadium. But with Clemson still on the schedule, with USC on the schedule, I think that you, as long as you're ten to thirteen, you're you're okay. But if you're ten or higher, coming out of this midway point, you're fine. Right. I mean, because because where was Notre Dame last year after they lost to Cincinnati? I'm going to look that up real quick okay. before we get out of here, Vince. I, I know you. Yeah, I, I, I was. It, my first inclination was being in top ten. You're in great shape uh, at five and one, but I think you could even be a little bit lower. And I and I was thinking top fifteen, but I think that might be a I mean, little bit too. No, Notre Dame fell to fourteen last year right. after losing to Cincinnati, and their way back up to five five without any good wins right, right? like no good wins. Got good wins coming in the second You've half got at least will. one coming in the second half so, yeah so, I, I think 13 the closer 12, to 10 the better yeah. if you're inside the top 10 at that point in time you're golden and how does that happen you lose a close game to ohio state because you're, notre dame is going to be a top 10 team obviously going into week one most I likely think, yeah I, Worst like eighth or ninth at worst in the in the polls. And if you keep yeah. it close, you're not going to drop that far. Yeah, as and long as it's you, a ten, as long as it's a, right. a four quarter game, and then right. you go out and handle your business the next five games. Yes, and, and that's the key. Yeah. So if you if you drop to the 14, 15 in that neighborhood, you've got five games. Surprise me if it's a close four quarter game. That would surprise. I agree. Me. I agree. But you've got five games to to start inching your way back up, and you right. know people ahead of you are going to fall because that's just reality and so 
you're, you're going to have a really good opportunity if you lose that first game to be in the top 10 by the time you roll into the second half. I really I do agree. believe that. I agree. <laughs> All right, that's so going to do. We're not going to have a and a for today's show. Uh, we've got some things going on. So, Vince, why don't you take us out of here, buddy? Absolutely. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on our second quarter breakdown. Really appreciate it. We will be back. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, but we'll be back Thursday for the third quarter breakdown of the season. And then, of course, our Friday free-for-all mailbag. So make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe so you always know when we're coming on. You never know when somebody might commit. But you're not going to know the show's happening unless you hit that subscribe or that that uh, little bell right I, there. I got a feeling there will be a day this week where we'll have two shows. I'm just I'm saying. saying. I'm just saying. It won't uh, be tomorrow. So, so, but make sure you share uh, with all your friends and family. Really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening on the podcast or wherever you get your Irish breakdown info. And also make sure you hit that irishbreakdown.com because there's always good stuff over there as well. Breaking news on the staff and all that fun stuff. Uh, is over there so for brian i'm vince and we will talk to you next time on the irish breakdown podcast Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.